the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. I'm Michael North. Let's join Dudley now as he continues his message, Either Way I Win. I want to preach to you a sermon that I first heard my dad preach over 40 years ago. It's a sermon called Either Way I Win. Turn to your neighbor and say, Either Way I Win. Just say, Either Way I Win. I want to read to you our text, Philippians 1, starting with verse 20. Paul writes, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by what? By death. And here's the key verse. For to me, if I get to keep living, that means I get to keep doing work on behalf of Christ. And if I die... That's okay too. I'm going to gain even if I die. Verse 22. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and to be with who? To be Christ, which which is better by far. Don't forget that. And it is more necessary for you though that I remain here in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith so that through my being with you again, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. And all God's people said. He had two great desires in his life and he didn't know which one he desired more. He wanted to die and he wanted to live. I want you to write this down. If he died, that meant that he got to go to be with Jesus in glory. That's always a good thing. And if he lived, why, that was good too. All he knew was he could reach more people for Jesus. And he felt that way even though he was in prison. I want you to know that his name was not always Paul. At one time, his name was Saul. He was born in Tarsus. Paul was a very intellectual man. He became a leader of leaders. He was a lawyer of all lawyers. He was powerful. He was influential. He was intimidating. And one day, he decided that he hated Jesus Christ. He not only hated Jesus, he hated anyone who said they were going to follow Jesus, which would be you as a Christian, until One day, something happened. You won't believe this, but he met Jesus Christ. Write that down. It really is a miraculous story of conversion, a supernatural phenomenon that you can read about in your Bible. In Acts chapter 9, 
Saul of Tarsus is on a road leading north out of Jerusalem up into Damascus, and on the way to Damascus to kill people like you, he was struck by a bright light that came from heaven. It struck him totally blind. He fell to the ground, and he heard a voice, and Saul of Tarsus asked, who is it? Who is it? And he hears a voice that says, this is Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. So he met Jesus on this road to Damascus. The second question he asked is, what do you want me to do? And Jesus tells him, I want you to get up and go into the city and you will be told what to do. We learn from Acts 9 and Acts 22 that he was led like a blind man into Damascus where he received back his eyesight In Acts chapter 22, verse 16, he was told, arise, get up, be baptized, wash your sins away. And he was baptized and he changed his name from Saul to Paul and he becomes the very Christian that he was persecuting just a few days before. He comes to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And he spends the rest of his days on this earth trying to teach every Jewish person and every Gentile person that Jesus is, in fact, the Messiah, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. I want to look at three different stories today concerning the Apostle Paul where we will learn as you go through these stories that no matter how bad things are in your life, that you don't need to worry, you don't need to fret, you don't need to be filled with anxiety over anything, that if you're in Christ Jesus, you are more than conquerors through Him. And the first illustration is the shipwreck in Acts chapter 27. Apostle Paul is getting on board a ship. And as they sailed along the Mediterranean Sea, they encountered a rather severe storm where everyone on board that ship was frightened for their life. The Bible says in verse 14 that they had hurricane force winds. And the Bible says that the storm was so severe that those on board saw neither the light of the sun by day, neither the light of the moon by night for 14 days And 14 nights, no one saw the sun or the moon. That old empty shell of a ship beginning to take on water, it started to sink slowly, and everyone was terrified. Nobody knew what to do when suddenly, up from the belly of that ship appeared a little bald-headed, bowed-legged preacher and grabbed hold of a broken mast and he surveyed the scene of carnage and he saw the soldiers and the centurion about to commit suicide. He saw the captain who had lost control of the ship. He saw the passengers who had lost all of their possessions and the howling wind, the perpetual storm, the torrential rainfall, the swamping waves. And Paul looked at the scene of destruction and carnage. He stands eyeball to eyeball with death. 
And with a smile on his face, he says, folks, cheer up. (laughs) What? I said, cheer up. Have you lost your mind? Does the Bible really say that he said, cheer up? Well, here's what the Bible says, the King James Version in Acts 27, 22. I'll put it on the screen. He comes up from the belly of the ship and he says, I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you. And a second time, just a few verses later in verse 25, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. It's really an unbelievable story. This whole ship is about to go under. Everything in whose nostrils is the breath of life is about to drown. And Paul says, cheer up. How can he say Cheer up. Well, learn this lesson and learn this well. He's a Christian. He believes in Jesus Christ. He has Jesus in his heart. He trusts in God above what anyone else says. And if you have Jesus Christ in your heart, then the shipwrecks of life are meaningless to you. The second story is found in Acts 14 in the city of Lystra. Everybody say Lystra. Lystra. And we call this the stoning. And Paul was preaching one time, and he upset some people. And they were so incensed because Paul was preaching on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We know that because in verse 7 and in verse 15 twice, it says that Paul was preaching the good news. And we know by definition that the good news is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, well, I've heard a lot of sermons on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It never made me mad. Well, that's because you weren't really listening. Because the real impact of believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ is this, that if Christ literally brought his dead body back to life, then one day he's going to bring your dead body back to life. And if you believe that one day your dead body is going to be brought back to life, what that means is that one day you're going to stand before an almighty judge. That's why if you're preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ, some people get upset because they don't want to ultimately stand before a judge. Well, they understood this and they were listening and they were really into the message. And verse 19 says, some, some neighboring Jews came over and riled up the crowd. And the next thing you know, they got so upset, they decided to stone him to death. And so they take him outside the city gates in Lystra. The crowd was so upset and they took these rocks and they literally stoned him to death. And they threw his old dead carcass, at least they thought he was dead, on top a rubbish heap. All because they didn't like his sermon on the resurrection. The message that Jesus is the Messiah. And Paul is laying there half dead and all his followers, his little band of followers are all gathered around him looking down at him. And they thought, what are we going to do now? Paul's dead. Look at him. He's dead. And all of a sudden, boing, one eye opened up. (laughs) Boing, and another eye opened up. And he looks up and these guys are all just looking down at him. And he goes, what are you guys doing? We were planning your funeral. (laughs) 
my funeral, and he stands up, and he brushes off his clothes, he gets all the dust off. He goes, I've never been more alive in my whole life. And he turns around, and he starts to walk. And guess where he walks? Right back into Lystra. And the disciples said, what are you doing? You can't go back into Lystra. They just tried to kill you. They think you're dead. If you go back now, they'll kill you for sure. You boys leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I'm going back into Lystra. And guess what? You're going with me. (laughs) And what this translates for us, it just means that there really was a time where there was a guy named Paul, just an ordinary human made of the same clay, the same mud that you and I are made out of. But he had something so deep and exciting within him that he had this sense, this this conviction, this belief, I mean, that the resurrection of Jesus was so real to him that even if you stoned him half to death, he couldn't help but tell you again that it's true that Jesus conquered the grave. And I ask you today, I ask you today, do you have any of that inside of you? Is there any type of conviction like that inside of you concerning Jesus Christ? This whole world of ours needs a generation of Christian church members who do not just come to church to sit and to be entertained, but will go out into the restaurants, to the filling stations, to the post offices, to the schools, to the mall, to your places of employment, and will take the initiative to speak up in the name of our risen Lord. He was literally stoned within an inch of his life. And he gets up and he brushes off his clothes and goes right back to the same exact city. You can't defeat a man like that. And you can't defeat a church like that. And that's who we are as a group of Christians. We are the church and even the gates of hell cannot prevail against us, the church. The third story is Paul in the jail cell, the city of Philippi. This was actually at the church, at the city where he first uh, started this church called the Church of Philippi. Paul and Silas. Everybody say Paul and, and Silas. They came to this city. Now, you know, Paul, when he went into Philippi, he did this in every city. He went to the local jail just to see where he'd be spending the night later on. <laughs> And uh, I think he went there and he said to the warden, Warden, it's me and Silas. We'll be back by the end of the week. And sure enough, by the end of that week, Paul and Silas were in jail simply for preaching the gospel. The Bible says in Acts chapter 16, it says the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. And the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and what? beaten. Verse 23, after they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into the prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. And upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the what? Now here, now stay with me. These these are two real people, real Christians who had a real beating with real chains and real whips and bled real blood. And they're in a real prison in the inner dungeon in real stocks. And the very next verse says that at midnight, 
they began to sing some songs. Who does that? And I can just hear the Apostle Paul, you know, it's late at night, it's midnight. Half those prisoners are snoring. And Paul goes, Silas, uh. Silas, think about it. We're more like Jesus now than we've ever been before. We're bloody and we're hurting and we've become sharers and partakers with His divine grace. Man, isn't this great? Oh, I never thought about it like that. Silas, do you know any good songs that we could sing? <laughs> songs? Paul, it's past midnight. What are you talking about? And they, they began to sing songs. And I don't know, maybe they sang this song. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. Give me that old-time religion. It's good enough for me. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. It was good for Paul and Silas. And it's good enough for me. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. Makes me love everybody. It's good enough for me. Now, Steve, they didn't sing that good. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous over there. I see that jealous going on over there. But my question is, why was Paul singing at midnight? Because he had something inside of him called unspeakable joy. That no matter what he was going through, he knew he was going to be okay. And the Bible says all of a sudden there was this violent earthquake and the entire jail started to shake. And everyone in that jail thought they were going to die and most of the prisoners fled. And the jailer was about to commit suicide because he knew if any of the prisoners escaped he himself would be killed anyway and he's about to kill himself and Paul says wait we're still here what what do you mean you're still here we're still here and he began to witness to the jailer and the jailer got baptized and Mrs. Jailer got baptized and all the little jailerettes got baptized <laughs> don't miss this point this really happened these are ordinary people singing real songs at real midnight hour with real backs that were bleeding real blood. Never allow the Bible to, to degenerate into just black words on a white page. This is a pulsating story of victory of Christians who met death and yet conquered it all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. What was his secret? I think it all goes back to that verse that we read. He told us what his secret was. He said, for me to live, if I just have another day on this planet, it means that I'm going to be able to live for Christ. And he truly believed that if he died as a Christian, he knew that that would be far greater gain. I want you to write this down. The secret to his joy is the title of the sermon, Either Way I Win. Either way I win, I think that no matter what happened to him, it didn't matter his situation. He had this little chip in his brain. You know, he was real smart. He was probably a geek of some sort. And I think that no matter what happened to him, he had this little thing that said, hmm, possibility number one, I'm going to die. Possibility number two, I will not die. Possibility number one, if I die, 
I will get to go and be with Jesus. That is a very good thing. Possibly, number two, I don't die. Hmm, that means I'll get to preach more for Jesus Christ. You go back and you look at these three stories. The first story, he's in this shipwreck. The whole ship, the whole ship is getting ready to go down. He comes up from the belly of the ship. He looks, he sees death. He sees carnage. He sees chaos. And his little brain goes, hmm, there are two possibilities to this situation. Possibility number one, we're all going to drown right now. This ship's going down. We haven't seen the sun nor moon for 14 days. This is it. Mm-hmm. Possibility number two, somehow we survive. <laughs> that would be a miracle. Possibility number one, we go down with the ship. Huh, that's not bad at all because I get to go and be with Jesus. Possibility number two, the ship, we don't die. We don't drown. He looks around. He goes, this is going to be my opportunity to tell everybody about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. The next story is the story in Lister. He's been stoned to death, and he literally, they thought he was dead. He's on a rubbish heap. He wakes up. He realizes that he's still alive. His little brain goes, hmm, there are two possibilities here. Possibly number one, I'm going to die right here on this rubbish heap. If I get up and I go into Lystra, they're going to stone me a second time. And if I die, hmm, 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 I'll get to go and be with Jesus. Oh, that is a wonderful thing. If I live and I go back into that city and I finish my sermon on the resurrection, that will be a wonderful thing too. You can't defeat a guy like that, can you? And you go to this last story, the third story. He's there in the jail cell. This gigantic earthquake, the prison's getting ready to fall. And he goes, hmm, there are two possibilities to this situation. Possibility number one, I'm going to die in this earthquake. Possibility number two, I'm going to survive this earthquake. Possibly, number one, if I die in this earthquake, mm, that's a good thing. I'll get to go and be with Jesus. Possibly, number two, if I don't die, hmm, there's that jailer. I'll get a chance to lead that jailer to Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what he does. The Bible says these words as we close in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, it says, We are more than conquerors through... Him who what? Loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor debt, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul wrote those words, for to me to live is what? If you wrote those words, what would you write? For to me to live is athletics. For me to live is money. For to me to live is pleasure. For me to live is fame and recognition. For me to live is what? What would you write there? A true believer, a real Christian would say, Lord, you can take away everything this world has to offer. You can take away all the sports, all the money, all the music, all the material acquisitions I've had, my ability to sing a solo or to teach a class or to be a preacher or to be a president. God, I don't care about any of those things. Oh, I don't want any of those things. The only thing I want And the only thing I need is you, oh God. And when you as a person can say, Lord, that's all I need is you, 
then you get to this point where nothing else in this life really matters. Nothing else matters. Family traits, they're passed down to us and then through us, revealing our shared DNA. In the same way, we're meant to look like God's family, to bear His image. So what are these shared family features, these identifying marks? In our newest series, This Is Us, Pastor Dudley and the Lift Up Jesus team explore seven key characteristics that we as individuals and the church should have. We examine the distinguishing traits that reflect our relationship with Jesus and remind us that we are part of His family. For a gift of $25 or more, we'll send you Pastor Dudley's complete sermon series and small group resource called This Is Us on either CD or DVD. Call right now at our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again in the United States is 888-818-4777. Order your copy of This Is Us today. We thank you for being with us today, and be sure to join us again next week at the same time. And remember to always lift up Jesus.